Amen. Thanks so much for being here uh, this morning on live stream and, uh, and being a part of what's going on here at Outward Church. Uh, I want you to tell, I want to tell you this morning that I'm uh, pretty excited about uh, speaking about this today. Uh, last week we talked about um, husband, I'm sorry, wives being subject to their own husbands. And so that was pretty controversial. And so if you didn't see last week, don't judge me just on that statement. Go back and listen to the sermon. That would be uh, really, really awesome. Um, but this subject of talking about husbands and their role in the marriage is not just for married people. It is, it is, for, uh, it is for married and unmarried alike. It is a message that speaks to how we're supposed to really uh, guide other people in, uh, in, in their marriage. Perhaps if you're uh, unmarried and you have a married uh, friend, maybe you could help guide them in that. It helps you understand like, you know, chances are that you will be married at some point. And so you should hear this. You should listen to it. You should understand it. But I specifically want to speak to uh, our men here. And I want to speak to you, and I, I just want to be clear, and, and I want to tell you that I think that if you miss this, if you miss this sermon, if you check out, if you're, you can't check uh, sports scores because there, no, uh, there are no sports going on right now, I know, but if you check out and you miss this, I, I think that you're missing a big opportunity uh, to have a great marriage. And you might say, I think my marriage is fine, and I, I just want to tell you that I I am constantly having to grow in this, and I'm constantly having to work on this, and the, the older I get, the longer I'm married, the more I realize I don't know. And so I want to encourage you to listen up, to hear uh, what I'm saying this morning, what the Word of God is, is speaking to us this morning. It is just as much for me as it is for you and, and everyone else, and so I, I want to encourage you to pay attention. This is very near and dear to my heart. It's very near and dear to my heart because I look around and I see many marriages that are, are struggling big time. They're struggling big time. And ultimately, it comes down to this. The main issue, the root of the, the main issue is ultimately that there's a man that's in that marriage that does not understand what it means to sacrificially lead in his home. It, that's ultimately what it is. And I can just tell you that when I look around and the problems in my own marriage, I can just tell you that that's what's happening oftentimes, is that I oftentimes do not understand what it looks like to sacrificially lead in my home. And so I, I just want to repeat something that we said uh, last week. Um, and it was, it was basically this from Cloud and Townsend's um, insightful book uh, called Boundaries. And uh, Scott McKnight uh, quotes them. And it says this, it says, we have never seen a submission problem that did not have a controlling husband at its root. When the wife begins to set clear boundaries, the lack of Christ-likeness in a controlling husband becomes evident because the wife is no longer enabling his immature behavior. She is confronting the truth and setting biblical limits on hurtful behavior. Often when the wife sets boundaries, the husband begins to grow up. And guys, that's just what I want to tell you this morning. That's not the only thing, but I want to start off with that. That the issues that are surrounding your marriage, whatever that is, it is, it is not because your wife will not submit to your leadership. It is because you have not grown up to the point where you can be 
a good leader. It doesn't mean that your wife shouldn't still be looking for your leadership, looking to follow you, honoring you as well, but it also means that you need to grow up into the leadership that God has called you to and to understand that it's completely different than what the world would call leadership. It's completely different than patriarchy. It's completely different than anything like that. It is sacrificially serving your spouse. And so we want to say again this morning uh, that ultimately the way of Jesus often puts us in conflict with the prevailing cultural norms. This includes God's specific design for men and women in the home, where we can often view ourselves as little gods deserving honor. Jesus frees us to live in ways that honor one another as humble servants. Jesus frees us for this. And so we pick it up in verse 7, which says this. It says, likewise, husbands. In fact, let me read the entire verse uh, right here really quickly. I didn't do that yet. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Don't turn me off yet. Don't turn me off. That's just what it says. I'm going to explain it in in a few minutes here, but stay with me. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay, so what, what does this mean? It's just a very short verse uh, to husbands. It's true that Peter devoted a lot more time uh, to uh, the wife in this situation, and so he gave some directives there and so forth. And again, we explained all that this last week. I think there is so much in here, it just boils down the problem that men have into a pretty short synopsis. And so let me, let me share that with you. He says, likewise, husband. Right, what, is, what is the likewise there for? He's pointing back to chapter 2, verse 13, which says, be subject. He's saying this to the whole church. He's saying this to everybody. He's saying, hey, everybody in the church, you need to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And then he goes on down the line. He talks about government. He talks about slaves and masters, which we said is really applicable today to employees and employers, that type of thing. But then he gets on to to wives and so forth. And he's saying, be subject or submit yourself uh, to put yourself under. It means to voluntarily allow yourself to be subjected to vulnerability. Now, when he's speaking to men here, he's not saying to them, he's not saying, hey, you need to be subject to your wives. But what he is saying is he's, he's, he's doing a, a variation of that, which I'm going to get to in just a second. He's not saying to them, hey, be the authority. He's saying there's a different kind of subjection here. Even though in scripture it teaches us that the husband is the leader of the home, He's saying, this is what it looks like to be a leader. But even as a leader, you are to subject yourself to something. You are to subject yourself to your wife, her feelings, and and so forth. And so I have three points for you this morning. The first one is to know your wife. The second one is to honor your wife. And the third one is to be gracious to your wife. So know your wife, honor your wife, and then be gracious to your wife. And so he says, likewise, husbands, he's carrying this theme forward that there's some kind of subjection that you're putting yourself under, but it's not the same kind of subjection that the wife is under as well. And so the first, the first point is this, to know your wife, 
to know your wife. He says, live with your wives in an understanding way. And other translations or, or a literal translation would say, it, it would say, living together according to knowledge. Living together with your wife according to knowledge. That, that there is some knowledge that needs to be had in your life. And the knowledge is that you need to understand your wife. And so why does he say that? Well, it's because of this. Because honestly, uh, we lack knowledge and we act like fools oftentimes. I act like a fool so many times when it comes to my own marriage. I, there's foolish things uh, about me. I remember Rich Plass, our, our, our counselor, my wife and I go to counseling on a regular basis. It's been incredibly helpful. But Rich Plass said to me, um, we, we, went, we went to our counselor, we had had this big argument, and I'm not going to tell you what it was about, but we had this big argument, and so we said, we're going to go to Rich Plass, we're going to talk to him about this. And so I take it to Rich Plass, and, and we, we explain the situation, and Rich Plass says to me, he says, hey Matt, what does your wife need? And, I, and, and here, I, I'm a pastor, I should know these things, Right? I should be the best at this. But he says, what does your wife need? Because I'm coming into this discussion saying, Rich, don't you see what she did? Don't you see what happened in this situation? Don't you see how I'm right? Rich doesn't, he doesn't uh, pay attention, any attention to that at all. The only thing he pays attention to is he comes to me and he says, Matt, what does your wife need? And I was dumbfounded. And I, I, I was kind of like, well, I, 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 I don't know, I don't know, food, clothing, heat, something like that, you know. Uh, what does your wife need? I don't know. And here's what was so amazing about Rich, Rich Plass's question. It was pointing out to me that, Matt, you are living foolishly and you do not know your wife. You do not know your wife. You don't know what her needs are. And I felt so dumb. I felt so dumb. I've, I've totally messed this up on so many different occasions where I, I need wisdom and I don't have it. I, I don't think it's any... Uh, I, 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 I think that Proverbs uh, correctly points out that women oftentimes have this incredible wisdom. Wisdom is personified as a woman in Proverbs. And, and foolishness is personified as a man. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that I think everybody's a fool who's a man here. I don't want to bash on all of us. But I do want to say I think it's notable. In fact, when you look at, when you look at uh, the book of Proverbs, what you see is is this, this is about the woman. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. Proverbs 7, 4. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call insight your intimate friend. Proverbs 8, 1. Does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice. Proverbs 8, 11. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Then to talking about the fool, who is a man. It says in Proverbs eleven twenty nine, whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind. 
and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 12, 23, a prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of a fool proclaims folly. Man, I've got to tell you that too often this is what I see in myself and in the people that I talk to when things are going sideways. Proverbs 12, 15, I think really speaks to this. When you say, I didn't do anything, she's doing it. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And and I'm begging of you, and I hope that you would admonish me in the same way. I am begging that you would listen to advice, not just from your fellow man, not just from your teachers, not just from your community group leader, not just uh, from your discipler, but that you would listen to the advice of your wife. Your wife carries with her wisdom. She carries with her wisdom. And so men, where do, we, where do we go sideways? Too often, we go sideways in the same way that Adam, our first dad, if you will, went sideways in the garden. I don't know, you, you may not remember the story at all, but God creates Adam, he gives him leadership. It's delegated authority. He gives him leadership of naming the animals, of doing all kinds of things. He uh, creates a woman. He says uh, that he doesn't have a helper. And so God says, I'll create a helper fit for him. And so God creates this helper to come alongside of him, to be equal with him, but yet he is still the lead in large part. And he names her woman because she is bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. She has come from man. But a little while later, when you look at chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 of Genesis, what you see is this, is that you see kind of Eve is in the garden, and she's sitting there, and this snake comes up and begins to speak to her. He begins to talk to her. He begins to say, hey, did God really say that, you'll, that, that, that this will happen? And Eve says, no, that's not what he said, and, and, this, and this and that. So she's having this conversation with this slimy dude, whoever he is, this snake, it's Satan, I I don't mean to question that at all. She's sitting there having this conversation with this snake, and the snake then convinces her that, no, God's keeping something from you. God knows that you'll be, be like him, knowing good and evil. You will, in essence, become a little God. You'll, you'll in essence, become your own God. And so it says that she partakes of the fruit, And then she hands some to her husband. And so this whole time, you don't really hear about Adam during this. You don't hear about Adam and what he's doing saying, Eve, what's going on? What's happening? Why are we talking to this snake? We know God. We walk with him in the cool of the day. We, We love him. He is our creator. There's nothing like that. She says, hey, we should eat this. He says, all right, that's fine, whatever. But then what happens God sees that they're hiding from him. And he comes walking in the cool of the day of the garden and he looks for who? He looks for Adam and he says, Adam, where are you? And what does Adam do? Adam blames his wife. He says, the woman you gave me, 
The woman you put here with me, she gave the fruit to me and I ate. And he comes to the woman and he says, uh, what did you do? And she says, the snake, the devil made me do it. That famous quote, the snake you put here, he made me do it. And so God hands out judgment. And ultimately what happens in and through that is as a result of that sin, marriage would become difficult. It says later, your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. It's this really enigmatic statement. And I'm not entirely sure what it even means, but it it definitely means this. There's going to be trouble between man and woman in marriage. 